Bibles like mine, it has those fancy little subheadings, and the subheading above Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12, says the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, and it'd be uh, real simple to look at that title and, and, and uh, say, well, what, what are the Beatitudes? And that's actually what we're going to address first, what are the Beatitudes? It'd be real simple to read that, and as a modern day believer, say, well, these must be about what the attitudes of a Christian should look like. Surely that's what it means, Beatitudes. The attitudes we should have or the things that we should be doing and applying in our lives. Only one problem, that's not what the title means at all. So let's look at this together um, about what, what the Beatitudes really are. See, the Beatitudes aren't really attitudes at all. The word Beatitude actually comes from a Latin word uh, that means it literally translates blessedness. And that's what we have here, blessedness. This is a pronouncement of blessing. That's what we find in the Beatitudes, okay? The Beatitudes are pronouncements of blessings. They are not laws. Okay? you got to get this. They are not laws that have to be kept in order to be saved. That's not what the Beatitudes are following. Okay? This is what they are. Rather, these are commandments that define the character and the conduct of those that God has already saved. You follow me? These are not things that you have to do in order to be saved. Rather, these are things that describe a man or a woman that is saved. Okay? That means that these things are not prescriptive. This, this is not a list of things that you have to do to uh, earn salvation. That's not a prescriptive list. Rather, this is a descriptive list. This is Jesus saying, if you're mine, if you're my child, this is what you should look like. This is, this is how you should be known. Okay? And that's a big deal. That's a huge environment, and, and you know, religious environments, uh, if you haven't noticed, are all about works, right? Religious environments are, are all about works, and so Jesus steps into this religious environment um, where it's all about what we have to do. Remember, that's the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant, it, it's about we will keep your law, God, and then we will be your chosen. It was all, the responsibility was all on us, and so Jesus steps into this religious environment where it's all about what we have to do. Remember, Jesus entered into a new covenant. Remember, the new covenant's not about what we do. It's about what God does. And God says in faithful promise six times, I will, I will, I will. I'll make you clean. I'll give you a new heart. I'm going to do it. God says it's about me. So we don't stand before God based on merit anymore, but we stand before God based on, on, on grace, right? And that's a, that's a big deal. And so, so here we are, and Jesus steps into this religious environment. And, and this environment was, was completely run by a group of teachers that were fully Old Covenant teachers. And so they're teaching religion, friends. That's what they're teaching. They're teaching, this is who you have to do. These are the things you have to do. Here's the 613 commandments that you have to keep in order to be God's chosen children. And Jesus walks into the middle of that. They, that's what they're teaching. They're saying, this is what you have to do in order to be part of the kingdom. And Jesus walks into the middle of this environment. He says, no. No. No.
blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the very first descriptor of this kingdom is about its people, about the inhabitants of this kingdom. And the very first thing he says is that those that are found there are poor in spirit. And Jesus, that's an all or nothing kind of thing. He's saying all of the people in the kingdom of heaven are poor in the spirit. This is what describes them. And that's a big deal because basically what Jesus is saying is, listen, you want to know what's necessary for entrance? This is, this is, this is the very beginning. You want to know what's necessary for entrance? The only people in heaven that you'll ever find, you're not going to find any that are spiritual. The only people you'll find in heaven are one. They're just spiritual. That's it. That's all you need. And so if that's the case, if, if, if this literally... First quality is the one that's necessary for entrance into the kingdom. I think it's pretty important that we talk about it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. I just want to define what it means to be poor in spirit. But let's begin right here, okay? Number one. Uh, I'm going to tell you what it's not first. I, I like I like negative definitions. Maybe that's just what you are. I've got both, okay? So I've got what it's not and what it is. Minds all work differently. Some people define things based off what it's not. Others like to define it based off what it is. But let me give you some things that it's not. I think these are Number one, being poor in spirit it is not a, a, having a lack of courage. That's not what it is. It, you, you've heard of somebody that's a wallflower, right? And, and they're just naturally socially, um, they, they like to hang in the background. They don't like to mix with crowds. That's just who they are. Their natural inclination is, is to be very reserved and not to talk with a lot of people. Okay? Okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a, a lack of courage and ability to stand up in front of people and talk or, or to go meet people. In fact, has nothing to do with other men, really. This is all about, you know, our, our relationship with God. It, it's not natural. We're talking about the supernatural, the spiritual. Okay, so number one, when I say poor in spirit, I want you to understand I'm not talking about a lack of courage. Number two, when we say poor in spirit, we're not talking about a sense of false humility, a, a sense of stated um, humility. Mar- Dr. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones was, was a great preacher of his day, a great theologian, and um, he was traveling once and, and he was, uh, he was going to a church, and he arrived at a train station. That kind of tells you the day that it was, right? So he arrives at the train station, and he's met by a guy by the name of Ur- uh, Uriah Heath. Uriah Heath. And he says, this man comes up to him and says, I'm Uriah Heath, sir. Takes his bag, just kind of rips it out of his hand, and, and he says something like that. He says, well, I, I'm, just a, I'm just a deacon at the church you're preaching at. I'm, I'm a mere nobody. I'm a very important, uh, unimportant man, really. I, I do not count. I, I am not a great man in the church. I am just one of those men that carry the bag for the ministry. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, in, in his anxiousness to prove that he was humble, he naturally denied the very thing he was trying to do. He was so anxious to tell this, this, this pastor that he's going to preach. He was so anxious to tell him, I'm nobody, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm I, I'm just this. He, he said he, he came off so false. It, it came off as maybe that was something that, that he had been told. But it wasn't really something he believed. Guys, being poor in spirit's not that. It's not a false sense of stated humility. It's not, again, it's not anything we, we, we... It doesn't really deal with other people. This is about us and God. It's about us and God. Now, here's number three, and this is really important. I want you to see this. Okay? Being poor in spirit is not a suppression of your personality. 
Being poor in spirit doesn't mean that you, you, you change your name or you change your personality. You think about Peter for a second, right? Peter was always Peter, right? P- P- Peter was always bold. P- Peter never changed. The same guy that jumped out of the boat in the middle of the raging sea, the same guy that cut off the, you know, the, the guard's ear, uh, that same guy is the same guy that, that, that at Pentecost stands up before a, an angry mob of people and says, I tell you, there's no other way under heaven and earth to be saved other than Jesus Christ. Peter's always bold. He, he never stops being a bold person. He doesn't become some kind of spiritual coward. That's not what we're talking about. He doesn't change his personality. But here's the deal. That same Peter was also poor in spirit. Maybe you remember when Jesus called him, right? It had been a long day of fishing. The Bible says that they were washing out their nets. That means they were done. They were putting it up. And Jesus steps onto the boat and says, hey, let's go out one more time, right? He says, just just go out one more time. And I want you to do this for me. Cast your boat down on this side. Cast your net down on this side. And so he does. And, And the Bible says that they caught so many fish that his boat began to sink, right? His boat began to sink. And, and, and maybe you remember what, what Peter says to him. Peter's response, he falls on his face and he says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You see, he was poor in spirit, but his personality didn't have to change. He was still bold for Jesus. Right? He's poor in spirit, but he, but he was still naturally a bold guy. Those things, they, they can work hand in hand. And, and I, I guess I would say it this way. It, it's really the story of David and Goliath and Saul. And, and you go back to that whole thing and you remember David says, I'm, I'm going to go fight this, this giant Philistine. And so Saul says, well, here, put on my armor. You remember, David couldn't even walk around in it. He said, no, I've got to do this my way. You know the lesson in that? Friends, you've you got to fight your own armor. God made you who you are for a reason. He specifically created you and formed you in the mother's womb. And he has a purpose for you. And your personality is part of that purpose. So don't think that being poor in spirit means all of a sudden you, 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 have, to, you have to cower and you have to change. Peter was always bold. He was always bold for the Lord. But he was poor in spirit. He understood what it was to stand before the King of Kings. You see him bow out away from the Lord, I know you know. Okay, so what what is this? And I'm going to give you three definitions. I'm going to give you three. Really, I could give you one, but I'm going to give you three because we're all different people. One of these will probably scare you. Okay? One of these might be more than the rest. And here what it, here's what it is. And remember, they're all spiritual. Number one, number one, it's a complete absence of pride, self-assurance, and self-reliance. It's a complete absence of pride, self-assurance, and self-reliance. And remember, this is all spiritually speaking. He basically said this is a complete absence of spiritual pride before God, of spiritual self-assurance before God, of spiritual self-reliance before God. So it means to be poor in spirit. Number two, it is the acknowledgement of spiritual bankruptcy of complete spiritual bankruptcy before God. I'll just tell you right now, this is my favorite. I don't know if you're here this morning if you've ever had to go through bankruptcy or anything like that. I know many that have. I have friends that did. It is a difficult process. It is a difficult process. It is a difficult point in life, especially, and, and women, I'm not trying to offend you. I, I think it's very difficult on women, but I think it takes a, a, a special coil upon the soul of a man. God created men to be providers. And, and when a man has to go before a, 
other agency and, and, and proclaim, there is absolutely no way that I can take you that I owe. It does something to the very heart and, 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 and soul of a man to have to say, I, 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 I am incapable. I am incapable of, of paying the amount which I owe you. And I'm trying everything in my power, but there is no way this debt will ever be. No way. Friends, that's, that, that's the portrait. I mean, the humility that that takes, that is the portrait of what we're talking about. Being poor in spirit, coming before God and God, say, God, there is no way that I can I can pay the debt that I owe you. It's absolutely impossible. It's, it's begging His mercy. That's what it is. That's what it is. Number three. Literally coming before God and saying, God, I am a wretch. I am completely unworthy of your grace. I'm completely unworthy of, of your love. And when you put those three things together in that image that you get, that image that you get should be a strong one. As such, I want you to understand that this thing is called a foreign spirit. It is the deepest form of this form of repentance, and thus it's the first quality of a believer. It's the first quality of, of a kingdom dwelling. Right? So that's that's where we start. I like what D.A. Carson says, and you're probably not going to be able to write all this down, but I'm going to read it to you today. It's on the slide. He says, at the very outset of the Sermon on the Mount, we learn that we don't have the spiritual resources to put any of the sermons together in the practice. He goes on and says, we cannot fulfill God's standards ourselves. We must and acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy, emptying ourselves of our self-righteousness, moral self-esteem, personal things. Emptied of these things, and finally, and guys, that, that's the picture here. Look, look at verse three. Okay, that word "poor." In fact, that word "poor" there, "poor in spirit," literally, it refers to somebody that's reduced to beggary. That's the term. The, the term in Greek, it, it refers to somebody that's reduced to beggary, okay? It, it, it refers to, to somebody that is fully reliant upon the grace of others to survive. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. It's a spiritual beggar. And, and, and so this morning, I want to give you some examples of, of this. And we're going to go quickly, and I'm going to summarize most of them. Let's start with Isaiah. Man, Isaiah chapter 6 is one of my favorite um, passages of Scripture. Isaiah in the year that King Isaiah dies, he goes to the temple, you remember? And he goes to the temple, uh, we're assuming, in order to pray, maybe seeking direction. And, and, and when, he, when he goes to the temple, he says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, right? And there were seraphs flying about him, and they were, they were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and, and at the sound of their voice, the, the, the post began to shake, and the, the, the temple was filled with smoke. And you remember what Isaiah did? Isaiah fell on his face and he cried out. He says, woe to me, I am ruined. Do you know what that means? It means that I am undone, that I am cut off. I'm cut off. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like bankruptcy, friend. He says, I, I, I am cut off. I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He saw God and in seeing God, he saw himself and he cries out, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. That's a, that's a portrait of being poor in spirit. I, I think of uh, 
of uh, number two here. I think of Moses, Exodus 3. Try if I look at the slides, I'll be okay. Think of Moses, Exodus chapter 3, and God shows up in the burning bush and, and, he, and he speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, I'm the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And, and, and if you read Exodus chapter 3, I love his response. It says that Moses cowers to the ground and he hides his face from God. He hides his face from God because he was afraid to look at God. And, and, then, and then God says, Moses, I'm telling you, you're my man. You're going to be the deliverer of my people of Israel. And, and Moses responds, and you, you've got to see it. You've got to picture it. He's still cowering. Moses is still refusing to look at God. And God is saying, you're going to be the man, Moses. You're going to be the deliverer. And Moses still can't look. And, and, and he's got no shoes on. And, and he's there in the middle of the desert in front of a burning bush. And he's hiding his face. And, and God says, you're my man, Moses. You're going to be my deliverer. And Moses, all he can say is, God, holy God, who am I?
tax collector and the publican, right? Luke 18, um, I, I, the parable of the tax collector and the publican, of course, you know, Jesus is, I tell you, two men go up to the temple to pray. One of them being a Pharisee, and he walks into the temple, and, and he's kind of got a posture about him. His chest is out, his head is up, his hands are up. He prays a prayer kind of like this. He summarized, Oh, dear God, thank you for making me me. God, I'm, I'm so grateful that I give a tenth of everything that I have to you. I'm so grateful that I know all of your laws and I keep all of your commands. I am so grateful that you've made me such a good guy. So we pray. Now, now I'm going to tell you, friends, that's not a prayer. That's not a prayer at all. See, see a prayer is the submission unto God. It's coming before the Holy of Holies. It's coming before Him and saying, God, I am in need. This guy doesn't say he's in need. He's, he's, he's not praying. He's, he's boasting. And he's boasting before God about how good He is. And then, and then there's...
about being saved? They, they saw God and then they saw themselves. When you see God and you see who God really is and you see his goodness and his holiness and his perfection, it can't help but cast a great shadow upon your heart. You can't compare to the goodness and the greatness of God. When you stand before holy God and you think about who you are, there's no way that you can stand before that God and beat your own chest and say, God, look at me. There's absolutely no way to do it. having a direct confrontation with the Holy, and it moves to great awareness of self and of sin, and it results in belief in each and every instance. It results in an emptying of self. It results in, you see, all these men are crying out, woe to me, I'm, I'm ruined, I'm done. Who am I? God, I'm nothing. Right? Everything is, is trash. Everything's refuse compared to you, Lord. the most. This this is our spiritual birthmark, you know? I mean, that's the truth of the matter. Jesus says, you want to know what the kingdom of heaven looks like? Let me describe its inhabitants. The inhabitants of heaven are poor in spirit. They, They look like Moses. They look like Peter. They look like Paul. Are you following me? They look like the publican. They look like people that understand that they are a mess before God and they are in dire need and they're constantly crying out to God that that He would remove all of the junk in their life and and fill them with Himself. It's it's the very first descriptor. And and I want to share this with you because I know most of you are believers. And and here's the deal. You know, when you think about it, it seems like this should be so natural. When you think about it, you would think the more that we know about God, the more that we would realize that he is holy and that he's perfect and that we're a wretch, right? You would think that that would happen, but here's my fear today as I look at the church. I mean the church as a whole. Here's my fear today because I hear Christians talk a lot and and I don't think that in our minds we believe it, but with our mouths this is what we're saying. We say things like well, I've been a Christian for 20 years. I go to church three times a week. I teach Sunday school. I tithe. I serve. I, 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 and here's my fear, guys, somewhere along the way, this thing called church that's supposed to be teaching us the greatness and the grandness of God and the littleness of man, that 
Somewhere along the way, we, we got switched and we got it confused and somewhere along the way we started building our own spiritual resume yeah i'm a christian yeah i'm a believer yeah i listen to christian music yeah i'm a giver yeah i've taken dave ramsey yeah i did the new beth moore study yeah i went on a men's retreat yeah i did this yeah i did that and in and, and somewhere then we stand before god and we forget that's not what you're supposed to look like you know what you're supposed to look like yeah i'm a mess that's, that's my identity. Who am I? I'm a wreck. I'm a sinner. I'm a wretch. I, I, I truly am a mess and nothing. And apart from Christ, brother, I'm telling you, apart from Christ, I feel. See, that's the portrait. Maybe you're here today, and the truth is, if you're honest before a holy God, not a believer, this is a big question. What's in the way of you kneeling before the King of Kings and the Lord of Kings? What's in the way? Is it pride? Right? It may be. Is it shame? Is it fear? Is it doubt? What's in the way of you becoming a believer in Christ? I got to share with somebody last week, and, and I, I could just say there was something in the way. Something, what, what's in the way? It's you start to Maybe this morning God's going to say, listen, people in my kingdom are born of my spirit by faith. And faith is believing that you cannot come. Maybe that's you. But for the believer, for those that have already possessed this quality, for those that, that are kingdom people, you know there was a time that you bowed before the king. You, you remember the time that you came before him and you confessed, God, I am a wretch, I am nothing. What's in the way of that today? What's in the way of that posture this morning? What's in the way? What, back then you weren't worried about what other people thought, but today somehow it matters? Nothing matters. Come before God like that. Come before God like that. 